Welcome, everybody, to the Ask JP podcast, where we tackle the issues and challenges of the day, go right at them. Uh, today is another episode, the final episode in our criminal justice reform series. I'm really excited to have with me today Kiva Landrum, a former judge who is a candidate for district attorney. Uh, Kiva was born and raised in New Orleans. As a proud graduate of Ursuline Academy, she received her bachelor's degree in political science from Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. Landrum also earned a Juris Doctor from Tulane University Law School in New Orleans. Kiva began her legal career in the Orleans Parish District Attorney's Office and ultimately rose to become the acting district attorney in 2007 when she made history as the first female district attorney for the entire state of Louisiana. Judge Landrum was first elected to serve in criminal court in 2008 and served at Orleans Parish Criminal District Court Section E, where she presided over criminal felony and misdemeanor cases. In January 2018, she was appointed as chief judge at the Orleans Parish Criminal District Court and made history as the first African-American woman to serve as the court's highest office. Judge Landrum's commitment extends beyond her professional responsibilities. Her community involvement includes being a parishioner of St. Maria Goretti, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, Ursuline Academy Board of Trustees, Louisiana Appleseed Board of Directors, and the Roots of Music Chair of Board of Directors. Thank you so much for being here today. I know you're extremely busy during this campaign season. And if you have anything you want to say before we get started on questions, now be the time. But I'm just so happy to have you here today, Kiva. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much to have the opportunity to sit down and talk with you and discuss these issues. Okay. Well, first off, why do you want to be district attorney? <laughs> well, you know, what I'll tell you is this. I know that right now uh, across our country, but specifically in our city, uh, there is a critical need for us to reform our criminal justice system, for us to tackle issues uh, that surround our bail reform, that surround mass incarceration, making sure that we hold prosecutors and police officers accountable for our work, uh, making sure that the district attorney's office operates with transparency and accountability, and really restoring and healing the community's relationship with the district attorney's office. And so when I looked at these issues, I decided that it was best for me to step down from my job as a judge, because I felt like I had the experience and the knowledge and the um, courage and the strength to step down and get this job done so we can uh, move this office forward and move the city forward. Okay. Well, I think it's a great, it's very well-rounded answer, but to get a little deeper, what, how does your background make you uniquely qualified for this job? So, you know, the, the district attorney's office is the uh, chief public safety enforcer, in my opinion, uh, in the city of New Orleans stands as that person and also stands you know, at the helm of every criminal justice issue that surrounds our, our city. And so I have extensive uh, experience dealing with criminal justice. Number one, I have held this office before. I was asked to step up in a very critical time uh, when the office was facing a lot of turmoil and instability. And uh, I was asked by community and business leaders to step up and stabilize the office, which I did. And so the experience as having been the DA before uh, makes me uniquely qualified. But more importantly, my experience also as a judge, uh, those two things coupled together, makes me, in my opinion, the most qualified because I understand the relationship that the district attorney's office has to have with the court in order that we can prioritize violent crime and accomplish public safety. And also, uh, I've made relationships with every public safety and every criminal justice uh, partner in this in this city. 
And so therefore it is going to help us utilize those partnerships to achieve what we need to achieve in this office. Reform while making sure that we advance the public safety of every citizen in New Orleans. Okay. And uh, as, a, as a former judge, you were recently at Tulane and Broad. Kind of what is your take on the current state of Tulane and Broad right now? Well, you know, listen, the pandemic has really placed a lot of things at a halt. I know that the court is really getting back to uh, operating, not at its full capacity, but on a limited capacity. And so, you know, there is a lot of work that is going to need to be done uh, as the next district attorney comes in. And so my plans are going to be this. Number one, uh, not only to make sure that we address the reform issues, but also that we, number on the first day, get in and assess every docket of every court because it is going to be important to prioritize those violent cases that have been languishing on the court's docket, get these folks to trial, um, make sure that we have relationships with victims and witnesses, but also on these low level nonviolent cases, we're going to be aggressive in making sure and see if we can put those in our diversion program, see if any way we can dismiss those cases or negotiate them so that we can get those cases off of the docket and focus on what is making New Orleans, what needs to make New Orleans a safe city, which is violent crime. Okay. Um, we're going to tackle a couple of hot takes on a couple issues that are important to the district attorney's office. Uh, the cash bail system. Uh, do you agree with the way it's currently being run? How would you change it? So what I know is this, uh, you know, we have to have a, a new bail system, one that ensures fairness and equity to everyone. So where people aren't just sitting in jail simply because they can't afford to, to, to uh, make a bond. And so it is going to be important as the next district attorney. What I know is this first thing on January 1, when I take office, we're going to have this current bail system in place that will not have changed. And so I'm going to tell you what my plans are as far as changing it. But as far as working within that current bail system until it changes, as our district attorney, I am not going to stand in the way of any ROR releases. I am not going to stand in the way when the court sets nominal bonds on no, low level nonviolent offenders. That is the way we can achieve fairness and equity in the system that we have, although that is not the system that we should end up with. And also making sure that for people who are violent or pose a threat to our safety in the city of New Orleans, that we articulate that clearly to the court and that we utilize a risk assessment that is fair, that accounts for the fact that, you know, black people sometimes have over uh, multiple touches with the police, which will increase their score. So we need one that takes all of these things into account uh, as we move forward. But in order to change the bail system, what I know is the district attorney, as I said, stands at the forefront of every criminal justice issue. And I would plan to lead that way and lead that challenge but it is going to take every criminal justice actor coming together so that we can find a system that ensures fairness and safety. Okay. Um, mandatory minimums. As a judge, I'm sure they were extremely frustrating for you when you it got faced with them. It does serve to be frustrating. <laughs> and so as the district attorney, what will be your approach to deal with mandatory minimums? Because as you know, the district attorney has a tremendous amount of discretion as to when they want a multi-bill, if at all. So since you were a judge and you've seen how mandatory bills really constrain judges' ability mm -hmm. to kind of what someone say do a holistic justice, what would you do with mandatory minimums? So as the district attorney, listen, I recognize that the way in which we have been using this multiple offender statute has been incorrect and it has crippled many in our communities. And so here's the thing. I know that when that bill was first enacted, it was supposed to act as a shield, shielding us from the most violent offenders in, in our society. 
However, uh, we have utilized it in the wrong way on nonviolent, low-level offenders, and it has become more like a sword, chopping people off at the knees. And so I pledge not to utilize it as a sword. I have no reliance and don't plan to rely on the multiple offender statute. I will serve and say that there may be some exception where we may need to for, the, um, for public safety in a violent case. However, I believe that the judges at criminal district court have the knowledge and experience to look at a case, uh, look at people's needs, and then sentence them accordingly if they have to. You know, in, in low level nonviolent cases, it is going to be our policy to seek every alternative to incarceration first. And so, you know, we would not be utilizing the multiple bill as, as a way to enforce plea bargains or force people to take um, any deals. Um, you know, so we are not trying to be unfair. It is about being fair to everyone and making sure that we seek every alternative first. Okay. Um, the death penalty. Uh, let me bifurcate. As a judge, you know, judges aren't really allowed to have an opinion on it because right. the law is the law is the law. But as district attorney, with the tremendous discretion you'll have, you'll have the ability to decide if you're going to pursue it and when. I know um, in previous conversations we've had, I, I've expressed my frustration with the current DA where he is so pro-death penalty <laughs> that even when the victim's family says, as Christians, we don't want the death penalty, right. he'd go and pursue it anyway. So as district attorney, what will be your policy on the death penalty? So this is what I know. You know, New Orleans uh, jurors have traditionally rejected the death penalty. I think in pretty much every case that I know of uh, since I've been doing cases. Um, and so, you know, we know that seeking the death penalty, number one, proves to be extremely expensive uh, on the pretrial and trial side, but also extremely expensive on the appeal side. And so, um, you know, that is not something that we're looking to do, which is waste money or, you know, spend money unnecessarily. I also know that, um, you know, the death penalty cases, number one, don't act as a deterrent for criminal activity. And then the second thing is there brings no healing to the victim's family because these cases sent, tend to linger in our system for decades. And so, you know, I looked at the stats. I think Louisiana has not um, imposed a death penalty in over 10 years. And we have currently 67 people sitting on death row. And so it is my opinion that uh, seeking a death penalty in New Orleans is not going to prove to be fruitful. And I would advocate to any victim and witness that I think that that would not be the, the way to go with that. Okay. Um, police reform. Obviously, uh, the big issue across the country is police reform, Black Lives Matter movement, and the police are essential cog in the criminal justice wheel. And you have to, as an effective DA, have a close partnership with them. What can you do as district attorney to kind of help promote reform within the police department? So there are a lot of things that we can do to help promote reform. And it's not just police reform, but in some ways, prosecutorial reform. But what I can tell you is this, you know, as our district attorney, I stand committed to making sure that I would lead the efforts to protect our citizens from unnecessary abuse of our police officers. And that means number one, uh, having an independent unit that is going to review any and all police officer misconduct cases uh, that is going to be staffed with senior level attorneys also with investigators that will act separate and independent from our office so that it will have integrity and transparency so that the New Orleans community can believe in its work. But also, it also means um, charting data, right? And keeping and compiling a list of officers who engage in misconduct and making sure that, you know, we hold those officers accountable and rejecting any cases that are built on police officer misconduct. 
Because what happens is if we set the standard in our screening division by rejecting those cases, it will show police officers that we will not tolerate and accept cases that are built on such bad behavior. But it also stands as a training for prosecutors as to what is acceptable and what is not in our office. Okay. Um, do you consider yourself a reform candidate? Let me give a little bit of little color to that because everybody, there's no non-reform candidates, obviously. But right. Um, as someone who's a former district attorney, as someone who was a judge, what aspects of the system do you think are issues that need tremendous change and how will you be an agent of that change? So listen, I think that generally there needs to be an overhaul of a lot of, of most of the system or if not all of the system. And so I plan to stand as that agent of change for all of those changes. You know, what I know is that, you know, citizens across the country are demanding that our district attorney's offices act with transparency, act with honesty, integrity, and accountability, and, and, and rightfully so. And so um, having had the experience of being a district attorney, number one, I know what that looks like because my integrity, my transparency, and my accountability has never been questioned. And so I know the standard by which we need to operate. But more importantly, um, it is about changing and standing uh, forward and standing up to change those laws that also affect our system. And so as the district attorney, I stand committed to being at the forefront of every issue and um, being that agent of change, going to Baton Rouge, uh, enacting change on our bail laws, enacting change on our fines and fees laws, and being that person because at the end of the day, the DA is the chief public safety uh, operations. And so, you know, in doing that, we have to make sure that we make these changes of reform, but also protect public safety in our city. Okay. And how's campaigning during COVID? Obviously, you, you kind of, some of these people are new to, new to campaigning at all, but you, you've, right. you've done pre-COVID campaigning. This is very different. Kind of what's your hot take on what it's like? So, you know, um, I find, you know, I'm a person that loves to interact with people. And so it is difficult that we can't do a lot of in-person interaction. I think it makes it hard. I think also that, you know, citizens are overwhelmed with everything that we're dealing with right now with the pandemic, um, with personal issues. And so being tuned in, and especially with our national issues, our national election. And so being tuned in to what is happening in our local DA's race, I think that folks are just starting to realize that this is, you know, right here around the corner. And so it has been difficult to make people understand that this is important. We need them to focus and tune in on, on these issues and on the candidates so that they can make the most informed decision in uh, what is going to craft a criminal justice reform for New Orleans. Oh, wow. That's a great answer, especially considering people forget you can only get the vote on DA once every six years. So exactly. you're not paying attention right now on the height of BLM. Right. You got to go make the right choice. You got to wait six years to try again. Exactly. So. This is critical. You know, this and these, critical. Will be, these will be things that we can't really turn back the hands of time on immediately. It is going, you know, this is the next kind of um, putting in place systems and systematic reform. And so it's important that every citizen weighs in on this and weighs in on uh, who will be the best candidate to do that. And of course, I, I vote for myself. Right. And that's a great lead into the last real question. What makes you more qualified than all your opponents? You know, I think the thing that makes me the most qualified is my experience. 
you know, being a district attorney is, is a very unique job. And so it is easy to talk about what you're going to do or what you want to do without having the experience of actually doing it. And I have that actual experience of being our district attorney. I have the experience of uh, operating and managing an office of this size and this magnitude. I have the experience of being the only candidate in this race who has prosecuted any case in criminal district court and who has advocated for victims and witnesses of violent crime and their families and survivors. And you know, more importantly, I'm also, uh, I've been as a judge noted to be efficient in my work. And I know that everything that I've done, I've done with the highest sense of integrity and transparency. And I believe that it is those qualities, that experience that sets me well above uh, everyone else. Okay, um, is there anything else you wanna add? I'm number 102 on the ballot, uh, November 3rd. We're asking everyone to early vote. And uh, my website is www.kivalandrum.com. All right. Well, I think you've covered everything. Thank you so much for being on with me today. It's been a pleasure. You have been, even in this interview, you've been ridiculously efficient. And I really appreciate appreciate that (laughs) because people forget somebody's got to watch or listen to this thing. It being long is not always a good thing. So I appreciate you getting to the point and being very clear and concise on where you're going to be as district attorney. And once again, thank you for your time, Kiva. Good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you virtually six to 12 feet away. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.